Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And that means the door is open to more memorable calls by one of the best in the business, Scott Fransky, the voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. Scott, congratulations to you, L.A., and everybody there, and another great season in the booth. Appreciate the work you do very much. Thank you, and thanks for having me today. I appreciate that. Uh, You go through a 162-game season, and as it's going along, there's a lot of ebb and flow to it. When did you start to get a sense, okay, you know what, this is not just a good team, this will be another playoff-caliber team because nothing is given? Well, I mean, I thought that they were a playoff-caliber team coming in. Um, obviously, they were two wins shy of a world championship last year. Some of that, you know, it's uh, you get hot at the right time. And, uh, but they did get in. They won 87 games last year, and uh, that meant they were a good team to start. They added Turner and, you know, made a few changes to the bullpen that I thought made them a little bit better. So, um, obviously, they didn't get off to the start they wanted to. Um, and... Uh, you know, kind of Atlanta sort of raced out and blew everybody out of the water. Um, but, uh, you know, with the wild card, there's another way in. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, I think obviously the way they turned it on in August, um, I thought was pretty encouraging. Um, you know, they got through some tough parts of the schedule and got through some dog days that, uh, you know, but the, the offense coming around in August, I think, was, was a, to me a flag that things were headed in the right direction. There aren't many guys that have 48 singles and 47 home runs. Uh, so let's go to the top of the order in Kyle Schwarber. You, know, you see Schwarber on an everyday basis, and not just on the field, Scott, but also as a clubhouse presence. What does this guy mean to what the, the success that we're seeing with this club? Oh, I mean, he means a lot. There's no doubt. He's, uh, he's pretty central to the culture in there. Um, obviously, it starts at the top uh, and and works its way down. But I, I think that having a guy like Schwarber uh, in the locker room uh, allows the manager to take care of the things he needs to take care of and uh, only step in when it's really necessary. I, I do think that uh, you know having a strong presence in the clubhouse and um, look, there's they have a lot of you know veteran guys, but. Um, but I've I've not seen that many, you know, longtime veteran guys that are as liked, uh, sort of globally uh, across the room than a guy like Kyle Schwarber. I mean, it doesn't matter what age, what position, uh, what nationality. Um, uh, they all seem to gravitate towards him, and he has a certain way about him. He's just. He's kind of this everyman out there, and um, I know that you know people can kind of uh, get behind him, and and um, you know he's not your prototypical leadoff hitter and all that, but uh, for whatever reason, it seems to work for this lineup to have him up there at the top. Many times, big money free agents will struggle the first year, then settle down the second. We saw Trey Turner in the beginning of the year struggle. Then things turned around. Once they turned around, what did that do to the Phillies lineup and what Rob Thompson had envisioned when they inquired this guy? Uh, well, I mean, I think it uh, it makes them an incredibly, uh, you know, a much more dynamic lineup. I mean, you, you look last year, Schwarber was at the top, but you had Reese Hoskins in there as well. And while Hoskins, 
got on base a lot and he drove in runs and he hit for power uh you know he couldn't run uh like a guy like trey turner so having turner uh in that spot you know again kyle doesn't get a lot of singles but turner will and uh turner can turn singles into doubles real quick and um and he can score from first on a double by harper you know with one out in the first inning and i think that that's a dynamic that the Phillies, they haven't had that sort of athlete in a long time in their lineup, and I think it made a, a big difference for everybody because, because if he's doing that at number two, it allows Rob Thompson to go Schwarber one, Harper three, you know, against a right-hander because you got a really good right-handed hitter bat in second. And, um, you know, they kind of searched for that for a while. You know, they tried Castellanos, Bolton did it a little bit, but, uh, you know, when Turner was bumped down in the order. But uh, the, all along their hope was that Turner would do it, and uh, – you know, obviously, in the last two months, he did. Scott, obviously, in the postseason, you see a little different pitching pattern as to how managers want to manage their bullpen and how quickly a starter can exit. You watch Rob Thompson manage in the postseason last year. What was his approach, and have you talked to him at all if he's rethought any of that approach with this year? I don't think his approach will change too much from a year ago. And, um, you know, I know everybody uh, talks about the, 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 the one move in particular, and that was the one against Jordan Alvarez, of course, in game six, taking Wheeler out. And, uh, you know, that'll be a storyline today, certainly, because the last right. playoff appearance for Wheeler was that night in Houston. Um, so, uh, you know, but I think by and large he will manage the same way, and that is, he will, you know, certainly watch his starter, and he will let hitters and and you know the starter's stuff tell him when he thinks there needs to be a change, and he will you know go to those matchups that he thinks are most favorable for the Phillies, and and um, you know he believes Rob believes he has a lot of weapons in that regard, um, from you know middle innings, you know the thing about it in the playoffs is everything is high leverage, right? Yep. I mean. Yep. Almost everything is high leverage. Games get out of hand, certainly, um, sometimes. But but the fifth inning can be high leverage. The fourth inning can be high leverage. And it might require a move at that point. And I think one of the things he's doing is he's he's not committed on a Thursday starter for game three. And Ranger Suarez will be available out of the bullpen today and tomorrow. And if you find that spot that – Wheeler or Nola struggles in the fourth inning or whatever, and he feels like he needs to make a change, he might go to a guy to kill the inning and then bring Ranger in to, to pitch multiple innings, you know. Um, so I, I do think he, he does play matchups. Uh, he, does, he does thoughtfully, you know, he thinks about it from the very beginning. He knows which pockets of the lineup he's going to use, which guys, and, and uh, they kind of play it out in their minds. All right, what do we do if he goes – bad here in the sixth what do we do if he goes in the fourth what do we do right. you know they yeah. they they map all that stuff out so i think we'll see basically the same sort of strategy from him as a manager this year and you've had a long look at the marlins playing them as often as the phillies have this season what's your impression of that ball club and this matchup uh they're good they're a good team they you know they scrap um they certainly um you know didn't uh didn't back down from the Phillies at all. I mean, they won the season series. So a lot of close games. Uh, there were a lot of games there that the, maybe the Phillies could have won. I mean, there's, you know, that one in particular, the one that Trey Turner made the error in extra innings, 
down in Miami. Otherwise, the Phillies have a four-game sweep there, and uh, and they and then they win the season series. Right? It's the yeah. other direction. Um, so uh, again, the in a way, it helps the Phillies in that they know they can't take these guys lightly. Right? They beat them. Uh, they beat them seven out of thirteen this year. So they know that what Miami is capable of. And I'll tell you, I mean, today could be tough. Today could be tough sledding for those hitters because I think Jesus Lazardo is a really good pitcher and might might very well be the worst matchup the Phillies could draw in the first game. Um, uh, and I say that even even if somebody like Alcantara was was healthy, um, yeah. I think Lazardo is a is a particular challenge for them given the number of left-handed hitters that are in the lineup and not just lefties but significant left-handed hitters. You know. Sometimes a crowd can set the tone for everybody else in the playoffs. I felt that the, the the bank crowd last year set the tone for everybody in Major League Baseball, and I I, I heard more volume everywhere. But it, it's because of what happened in Philadelphia. When you're there and you're part of it, you know what runs through as you're as you're seeing and feeling this. I think um, you know there are those moments where you really just try to sort of stop and absorb it because mm-hmm. it's it you know what i mean it's it's oh no it's as somebody who's broadcast 19 whiteouts in beaver stadium i know what you're talking about <laughs> you know it, i mean it's it's uh it's we we have a job to obviously describe what's happening and whatever but sometimes the best thing we can do is just sort of shut up and and take it in ourselves yeah, right. and um and i don't know I, I always used to say this about uh, the first time I went to Dodger Stadium, which wasn't until I was working for the Phillies in 2006. And I walked into Dodger Stadium, and I had seen, I don't know, 100 games on TV the, yeah. the, from Dodger Stadium. Right. And I said to myself, and as I walked in the stadium, I said, the, the colors that you see on TV don't do this place justice. Right. Right? It's, it, there's a certain look, and it's the same thing with the sound. There's there's something about it. I don't know that it it would ever translate on radio or TV. Um, I just think it's one of those things that you have to be there to to be immersed in it, to mm-hmm. experience it. And uh, I think Garrett Stubbs called it a bucket list thing for people to do. Yeah. And and I think it I think he's, you know, if you're a sports fan, I think it is. It mm-hmm. should be a bucket list thing for you. No, I agree because uh, you do a Penn State football whiteout, and Jack Ham and I have done all of them. You've, during it, you take your headphones off just for a second, just just to absorb it because you know it's special. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Scott, thanks so much. Appreciate it on game day. You took the time to be with us, and uh, again, always uh, appreciate the great work you do. Well, hopefully, we got, hopefully we got a long run in us, and we'll talk to you again before October is out. <laughs> I I am all for that. Thanks so much. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> 